If you're enjoying Night Faces, please check out our Patreon subscriptions for access to soundtracks, cool merch items, bonus episodes of Night Faces, and our Patreon-exclusive award-winning anthology series, Middle West. Fan support helps us to continue making these shows and is greatly appreciated. Welcome. Half Bad Productions presents Night Faces. Episode 8, Worlds Collide The service was peaceful, well attended. These poor Stevens women, who had all left the earth by means of violation. How Denver could put one foot in front of the other was a mystery. Some people are just pillars, even if they don't want to be. They stand up against time with a strength beyond themselves. They weather the storms, the years, the erosion of life. Denver had a desire to sink into the ground, to crumble. But it was his affliction not to. His women had been cursed by cancer, by murder, suicide. His only hope was that they had all found each other in the middle place. He did not wish for heaven. He only wished for their souls to be together. He had picked her favorite dress, even embalmed, with a cast of pale blue tint behind the heavy makeup set against her face. She wore it well. Pink and purple flowers, buttons up the chest, a small cinch at the waist, her long copper hair curled to lie over her breasts. Still such a beauty. Magda held the memorial. Her home was adorned with candles, cheese plates, and cookies served on weathered silver trays scattered amongst the antique furniture. The dining room table had an ornate lace tablecloth placed over it, copious amounts of liquor in crystal bottles and decanters decorating its surface. This room was well used. This was not the sort of memorial, the remembrance of life, that held smiles and laughter, that people told stories with tears in their eyes while waxing poetic about the nature of life and love. There would be no uplifting song played in Nancy's honor. The pain was palpable. Too much tragedy causes a panic in those around you. A reminder of all that this world is capable of. The truth is, no one wanted to be there. Not even Denver. He was through with funerals. He needed some sort of justice. 
He found Magda pouring strong drinks, filling the dining room with her smoke. Any word on Delilah? Magda looked into his red eyes. They had enough. They could not pour over another drop of liquid, she thought, without turning to mud. We're working on it. We have a lead. We're close. Denver looked unsatisfied. They will be together, Denver. I promise you. Cross walked into the room and sat a sympathy card on the table, the usual condolences. He had nothing else to offer. Magda called him shortly after his dad had left and she told him what happened to Nancy. Cross held the news in his chest, against his sternum, strong, unmoving with his breaths. He wouldn't tell Delilah of her passing. He didn't want to cause her pain, it seemed already, that worlds were colliding. Magda was reaching through to Delilah, always clawing at clues from her Ouija board. Nancy would soon cross into the middle place, and would she call for Delilah? Cross was getting closer and closer to the truth, and now he wondered if the balance was off. Was there time running out for the switch? To hand over a soul for a soul? Or was it like planets crashing into one another? The grief and pain of existence forcefully merging into this world of nether, the world of ghosts. Or was it all only for him? I'm truly sorry, Denver. I hope Nancy is at peace, Cross offered meekly. Thank you. Just please, please, keep at it. Keep looking for answers. I want my wife to have her girls, Denver pleaded with Cross. He didn't lower his voice. He didn't shy away the plan they had made. He had conviction in this and only this. You got it, sir. Cross's mind was spinning with visions of Erasmus, his bedroom like a mausoleum of newspaper clippings of her, his willingness to cause great pain, obvious. And then Jerry's truck with that small piece of Delilah's skirt hanging from the mirror, so overt, so available to anyone's eyes. It held some amount of pride almost. Mata looked at Cross, his mind clearly somewhere else. Meet me at the bar later, hon. We need to talk. Jerry woke in the morning, his wife next to him. She drove into West Sal on the weekends. During the week, she stayed in the city, their relationship long and hard to endure. They had married young, established a life for themselves, and then Jerry started a new one in West Sal. He opened his restaurant. He practically lived there. He became a local, spending his free time hunting and fishing, and then, after a while, just drinking. A patron of the local taverns, the nightlife. His wife was much smaller than him. In fact, she was quite petite. Even if she had found herself a regular-sized husband, she would remain small in comparison. With Jerry, it appeared a bit of a sideshow act, the enormous man and the miniature woman. And somehow, they began to fulfill this title, her shrinking down to his wants and his needs, and him, growing larger and larger, a never-ending consumption of all the things he wanted. He kissed his wife on the forehead before getting out of bed. She stayed turned away, facing the window. He knew she was awake, but she didn't say a word and neither did he. Jerry moved through his day at the restaurant, doing inventory, ordering in bulk, payroll. He was busy. In the evening, he sat out at the patio and waved to his favorite customers, 
offering them shots of vodka and the occasional drink on the house. He smoked cigarettes and relaxed in the fall-time air, the serenity of temperate weather washing over him. After a while, he decided to drive into town for dinner and a show. Night Faces was busy as always, something Jerry envied from time to time as he saw his own restaurant patronage come in waves, especially with the seasons. He took his usual spot at the end of the bar. Sydney, one of the newer dancers, was on stage. She was younger than the others. She had long dark hair, tattoos on her forearms, incredibly thin legs. He watched her dance for a while, her movements enough to pay attention. Magda was at the other end of the bar, deep in conversation. Jerry couldn't see who she was talking to, but after a while, he motioned to her with impatience. Be right with you, Jer. Magda huffed over to him. She was agitated. She poured the two of them a shot like she usually did. Slamming the glasses down, she nodded to him to take his without a word. Anything else? She barked. Just another. You all right, Magda? Yeah, I'm fine. Just dealing with some shit, you know? She poured Jerry another shot and moved back to her conversation. Jerry stood up to look over the busy bar stools to see who Magda was talking to. It was Cross, the out-of-towner. Jerry had seen him a few times at his own restaurant and plenty of times here at Night Faces. He often thought that Magda was maybe having a bit of fun with a younger man, but they always seemed so serious when they were together. Cross looked up at Jerry, a seething glance. Jerry nodded and excused himself from the bar to make a trip to the men's room. When he came back, Cross was gone, and Magda had returned to her usual banter and bartending. When Sydney came down from the stage, she popped up behind the bar to help Magda. Jerry bought her shots of vodka and asked her if she had a boyfriend, his usual line of questioning to all the young ladies, before Magda eventually cut him off and sent him to his truck. When Jerry walked out, under the moonlight, the gravel beneath his feet, he labored to keep his heavy steps steady. He squinted his eyes to search the parking lot for his truck, and then noticed the glass in his window shattered. Tiny fragments scattered all around, bouncing back up against the night sky. He opened the door, careful not to cut himself, and looked for anything that could be missing. He remembered the deposit bag in his glove box and panicked. But when he checked, it was still there. All the cash accounted for. Nothing was missing. But then, his heart sank as he realized the one thing that was. Delilah sat on the front porch of the cottage. It was early evening. She watched the tall pine trees sway in the wind. They were thinning, part alive and part dead. The wind moved them in unison, and some of the tops would break and fall to the forest floor. The sound, the long moans of the trees, and the howling of the wind, and then the cracks of death. It was mesmerizing. Delilah could close her eyes and hear it all so clearly, paired with the buzz of the bar nearby, the beat of the music, and the crying of the forest. When Delilah opened her eyes again, staring out to the familiar woods, she saw the creatures coming to the edge of the forest. This time, so many. Normally, she would spot one or two, gazing upon her, always. But now there were dozens, swarming. Like turning over an old log in the forest, the worms and beetles overwhelming the soil. She felt a sensation that only they could elicit. Fear and memory. Memory of pain and death. Of her exit from life. 
and she didn't want to feel it. Why were they gathering? How could there be so many? Delilah stood up. She cried out into the woods. What do you want? Why are you here? But none of them looked her way. They were in a frenzy. They were busy. She realized something else was out there. Something that held their attention more than her. Delilah walked through the field of wildflowers, pushing them down into the ground with her steps, walking quickly and without her usual apprehension of the edge of the property. She was like a dog with a shock collar normally, fearful of the electricity at her neck, fearful of her boundaries, but not now. She needed to know what the creatures wanted. When she came to the edge of the trees, she was closer than ever to their haven. She could hear them all breathing together. It was deafening. Their shadow created a large veil between herself and the path into the woods. She could barely see past it. And as she stepped closer, they hissed with temper. But Delilah could see something beyond them, a glowing figure. There was warmth emanating from it. She knew she couldn't be heard. The creatures were growling in unison, making a barrier of sound. She stepped as close as she could. She closed her eyes and whispered instead. Who are you? Do you need help? Help out of the woods? There was no answer. Delilah waited, and the figure grew brighter, and then came closer, and the veil of shadow weakened. It thinned enough for Delilah to see through. Mom? Delilah cried in disbelief. Mom, no, what are you doing here? What happened to you? Her mother didn't speak. She only lifted her hands, her wrists exposed, still wounded. She was a sight, illuminating the darkness, bearing her soul and her sin, and she came for her daughter. She left the world with a knowing, as all mothers have, of their child in danger. She motioned to Delilah. She motioned for her to step into the woods, to push past the monsters, to take her hand so they could be together in whatever afterlife there was for them. This is all my fault, Delilah whimpered. What about Dad? You left him behind? Because of me? Don't you see? I'm trapped here. I can't leave the property. I... I don't know if I want to. Delilah thought of Cross, and she cried even more. She felt, in this moment, true and unbelievable despair. As a ghost, sadness was part of the program. It was the most intense feeling you were left with the ability to feel. More than love, or pleasure, or anything else. She had a desire for her soul to be free. And yet it was caught in this place, this place of torment and repetition, because she fell in love. She wondered if it was the cost of intertwining the world of the dead and the world of the living. Delilah's mother looked at her. She shook her head. She was smiling and crying, and she held out her arms for Delilah to come to her. Delilah stood in place, not knowing what to do, not knowing what she could do. She at least needed to say goodbye to Cross, she needed to see him one last time. But she felt the heat of her mother. It softened everything around her. It warmed her cool bones in a way nothing else could. She was like a moth to a flame. But before she could step through the darkness, her time was up, and the creature swiftly surrounded her mother. It was a storm of shade and smoke until there was nothing, and she was gone. Delilah missed her chance. Cross waited for the bar to close, and then he burst through the beaded curtain into Magda's parlor. He threw the small piece of fabric on the table. Magda was sitting in the chair waiting for him. You don't know how to properly, discreetly break into a car. 
Magda questioned. You had to break his window? Cross scoffed. I got it, didn't I? So do whatever you have to do. I gotta go. Magda looked at Cross inquisitively. You got a date at 3 a.m., she joked. Cross laughed. Wouldn't you like to know? Cross left and walked back to his cottage, still feeling provoked from his conversation with Magda at the bar. They were supposed to be a team, but Magda was always in control, and that was hard for Cross to handle. He was having a difficult time not showing his cards, and he got the feeling, lately, that Magda knew more than she was letting on. He wondered what she knew about him, if she could possibly know about him and Delilah. When he made it back to his cottage, Delilah was in the same spot he had left her, sitting on the front porch, gazing out to the forest. This time, her face was flushed, her eyes red. She had been crying. Del, what's wrong? He questioned softly. Did you know about my mother? Delilah's eyes were full of pain and more beautiful than ever, the glistening tears like a mirror, reflecting back at him, making it easy to see the worst parts of himself. And Cross considered lying for a moment, but he knew that Magda had helped to bring them together, that Magda had called Nancy from the middle place. She had told him at the bar earlier that night. I didn't want to hurt you. Is she here with you now? He asked, moving closer to her. Delilah stepped away. No, she isn't. I don't think she can come here. She wanted me to go with her, and I missed my chance. You were going to leave? Cross tried to keep any anger from his voice, but he heard it anyway, and so did Delilah. Yeah, I guess I was, but I thought of you. I hesitated, and now I don't know where she is. I don't know if she's stuck out there in those woods with those things because of me. Delilah was angry now, too. She isn't, Delilah. Magda brought her here for you. She wanted to unite the two of you, but she doesn't know what the hell she's doing. She doesn't know her power. Your mom will move on, but it's different for you. You need justice for your soul to be free. It's what we're trying to do. Cross tried to grab Delilah's hand to offer her some comfort, but she pulled away. You should have told me. I know I should have. But there was a reason you didn't. Delilah looked Cross square in the eye. Maybe, he said with a bit of defeat. And it was the truth. He didn't want to hurt Delilah, but he also wanted more time. He wasn't sure if her mother had the power to help her move on, but he didn't want to find out yet. He was afraid of losing her. Well, Delilah brushed her hair back and pulled her cardigan over her shoulders as she opened the door to the cottage for both of them. I'm ready. I'm ready to move on. Just in case you needed to hear that. Cross grabbed the screen door and held it as Delilah walked inside. He watched her turn off the lamp, remove her sweater, and then her top, her skirt, and climb into bed. She motioned for him to join her, and he loosened his tight grip on the door, his knuckles white, and he felt an anger in him, an anger toward her that he'd never felt before.
Hi, I'm Isabel, the creator, writer, and voice behind Night Faces, and I want to take a moment to talk to you about Apollo Plus. Night Faces recently joined the Apollo Plus exclusive roster. What that means is that you can listen to the show ad-free, gain early access to new episodes and seasons, more on that later, and a bunch of other cool stuff. And don't worry, you can still listen to Night Faces for free on your favorite podcast apps. This is just one way you can help support us. Apollo Plus is a creator-owned platform where every subscriber helps audio fiction creators. When you subscribe, you are supporting not only your favorite shows, but probably your soon-to-be new favorite shows, too. There's so much to discover there. And the exclusive content you have access to comes from a curated catalog of top-notch audio fiction. Not only that, but creators receive 70% of their revenue on Apollo Plus, so that they can create a new series or another season of your favorite show, all thanks to you. Join Apollo Plus through the Apollo Podcast app or by going to apollopods.com.